Our series uh, I'm calling Word On, this section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus starts to give us these topics. He gives us the Word On, uh, these 12 different topics. Uh, he, he brings us the Word on anger, the Word on lust and divorce and oaths and uh, retaliation and enemies. And now they're a little different in the second section, the second half of these uh, 12 topics. And I just have to tell you, I really struggled with naming this message. I've named it at least four different times. Because I tried to, I always try to do that, figure out, well, what is this about? What's and, and the others weren't that hard. This one's about anger. This one's about lust. This one's about divorce. That's really, really obvious. Um, but the, the one that we're going to look at uh, this weekend, uh, I first named it The Needy because it talks about the needy. I thought, well, that's not really all that it's about. Uh, I named it Giving, but it's a lot bigger than giving. Uh, then I named it Hypocrisy. Okay, we'll get it. Hypocrisy, because it, it talks about that, but that's not really the, the whole focus. And so I, I finally decided, after really wrestling with it a bit, to call this Secret Joy. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes, if you're, if you're good with that, cool with that, all right? So we're going to read the passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 1, just... Just four verses here. We're in a new chapter. Say, praise God. Yeah, it took us all year to get here, but we're, we're finally in, in chapter six. Uh, but Jesus is continuing. He's been seated on the mountain uh, there on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. The word of God made flesh speaking the word and we get to hear it today. Isn't that amazing? And so let's listen for the voice of Jesus. Beware. Of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father, I thank you for word made flesh. I thank you for word of God breathed upon pages long ago. I thank you for those who have brought the word across the centuries to us. And God, I pray that you would teach us, that you would show us the things that we need to see, we need to hear, and we need to apply in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Jesus begins using this word, beware. Uh, it's the Greek word, prosecho. Well, why don't you say that with me? Prosecho. And uh, that's our first Greek. We'll get a couple of Greeks in here, okay? Uh, but it means to hold your mind towards, to pay cautious attention about, 
to adhere to, to heed, or to apply oneself to. Now that's a lot of definition, but all of it really is helpful in what we're going to be looking at uh, in, in this passage of Scripture. Uh, I got curious, how often does Jesus use this word, uh, beware? And, and he actually uses it nine different times in the Gospels. Um, and each one uh, is a little bit different, but he uses them to, to caution us about certain things. But, and if you remember, the word that we studied before was behold. This is different from behold. Do you remember that behold means, whenever the scripture says behold, it means don't miss this. Attention, please, don't miss this. Well, beware is a little bit different. It's a don't miss this, but it, it, it says don't let this sneak up on you. Don't, don't get your attention off this because it will sneak up on you and bite you. And you need to watch out for it. So what are we supposed to be aware of? I, I just looked it up. This is, we're going to study one of them in, in depth uh, today. But, but Jesus talked about six outward threats. Uh, he, taught, he said, beware of false prophets. We're going to get to that in the next chapter. We will get to the next chapter, I promise. And, and he talks about how false prophets are wolves in sheep's clothing. They look so good that, that you would never think there's anything wrong. They, they, have, they have everything down. They, they talk a slick talk. They just sound so great. And they're, you know, warm and fuzzy and everything. But all of a sudden, they bite you bad. He said, beware of men who will deliver you up to the councils. That's in Matthew chapter 10. Those are people who you trust, but they'll betray you. He, he warns, beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we know those are the two main parties in Judaism. They were political parties as well as religious parties. I, I would summarize that. Beware of religious politicians. Amen? Come on. Are you with me on this? All right. Uh, and then the fourth one is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He's gonna, he talks about that in Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at it a bit tonight. And then beware of the scribes. They were the experts in the law. Beware of the one who they slice, they dice, you know, they take the law and they can show you down to the detail what you're supposed to be doing. Beware of those folks. And then beware of Herod. Well, I think everybody should have known that. I mean, Herod, uh, he was the king that was known for killing his own relatives. I mean, lots of his relatives, including his favorite wife. <laughs> how, how, what did he do to his le least favorite wife? I don't know. So th these were things, outside threats to beware of. And then he shares also three inward threats. This is stuff that sneaks up from within you. How many of you know the threats aren't all out there? Yeah, we have some threats that are inside, that are within us. Beware of greed, covetousness. We've talked about that a little bit already. It could be greed for money or greed for a position or power or people. Uh, the second one is beware that you don't look down or despise little ones. He, he brought a child. He said, who's greatest in the kingdom? He said, oh, my. <laughs> bring a kid. Brings a kid and he says, there's no, no one greater than this child. And then he, and he said, and if you harm one of these children, <laughs> better for you that you be thrown in that lake with a millstone tied around your neck. It's really, really bad. It makes me mad. It makes God mad. And then he said in Matthew, this is in Matthew 18, he says, their angels always see the face of my father in heaven. Wow. 
They're angel, they have angels. We don't have, our little kids are over there. And I don't want to say we don't have to worry about them, but they do have angels. And I talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago, about how we have angels protecting us. We have security that help too, but we, we have angels. And the children have angels. That's really, really amazing. But the third uh, inward threat that Jesus addresses in the Gospels is the one for today. And that is beware of practicing righteousness before other people. And I have to say, when I read this, I just said, what? Are you serious? Go ahead to the next slide. There we go. (laughs) How can that be? Because if I'm listening uh, well, uh, you just 32 verses ago, Jesus, you said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How can, that, how can that be? You just said, let your light shine before people. And now you're saying, don't practice your righteousness before other people. This doesn't make any sense. You're going to have to explain a little bit more. Say, uh-huh. Yeah. So first, let's ask the question, what is righteousness? What are the acts of righteousness? This is another Greek word. And Jesus was using Greek. Uh, it's the word didaiosune. Boy, that's a good one. Let's say it together. Didaiosune. And it means acts of equity, acts of justice, acts of godly character, good things, right things. How many of you know when you do a right thing and it just is the right thing? And it's really, really good to do a right thing. And so that's what he's talking about here. And this could include a whole variety of different things. Uh, doing the right things. It could be acts of worship. It could be giving or generosity or care for others. All of these things, we have had a whole bunch of people working all weekend, getting ready to have a marvelous feast for us in a few minutes. And I know some of you are going, how long is this going to be, Pastor Jeff? (laughs) Because I can smell the barbecue in the air. Uh, But there are people who are serving. There are people who are working. And it would include all of those kinds of things. And so how do you do those things and not be seen? The truth is your acts of righteousness will always be before God and people in some manner or fashion. You cannot escape the view of God. How many of you know that? You cannot escape the view of God. God sees everything. The good things and the bad things. All right. And it's difficult to escape the view of people. It's really hard. To do something or, or, or to, to give something that's not seen at all by people. And so God will clearly use his light in your life. And, and that's what he was talking about in chapter 5 verse 16. To call others to himself and this glorifies God. That's a good thing. So how does that fit with what Jesus just said? The problem is there's always this temptation to allow this to glorify us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That we, we do a really, really good job and, and, and we start to say, you know, I did, a, I did a really, really good job on that. <laughs> and the people really noticed and I kind of like that. I, I like this noticing stuff. And they, they applauded and they, they did great things. And so that's part of what can begin to happen. And there's this temptation that we get into that. 
So the warning of Jesus doesn't have to do with anything except with motive in order to be seen by them. Why don't we say that out loud together? In order to be seen by them. When our motive becomes a motive to be seen, that's the danger that he's talking about. And that's different from so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father who is in heaven. Those are the two, and they're very different. When our motive shifts away from glorifying God to glorifying ourselves, we leave the realm of kingdom culture that we've been talking about and move into the shadows of Satan's realm, really. It's a, it's a temptation of pride. And everything we say and everything that we do, it needs to focus on revealing God and glorifying God. So this is a constant monitor. I think this is a constant matter for us to think about. And if you've walked with the Lord very long, you know that. I, I made a little diagram that I think explains this a little bit. You may have seen a diagram like this. It's used in business sometimes. Because it talks about how motive matters. And uh, how, if I'm putting it into the framework of our study here, uh, Jesus has talked about the law. You have heard it said, the law is concerned with what we do. And, and it was a question for the legal experts. They said, well, let me tell you, you want to be right with God, here's what you should do. And here's what you should not do. How many of you know you, you can do the right things, but it's not all right? Because the prophets also talked about how we do things. That, and, and they dealt with really the, the ethical issues. Really the prophets often dealt with, is this just? Because how many of you know you can do the right thing, but you're doing it in the wrong way? Well, you could cheat. Well, but I did the right thing. Or you could steal. It doesn't matter if you give a huge gift if it's stolen money. Amen? Yeah, so how we do things is really important. And now we've got the law and the prophets. Now Jesus is talking about why. It's the deepest question. It's the core question that we need to deal with. And we don't want to drift away from that core. And if you think about what is the core, it is to love God and love others. And not be so concerned with self. And the result of this drift that Jesus describes is rather frightening. No reward. Wow. Is that a sobering statement to you? I mean, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And this doesn't seem to refer to losing salvation. He's not saying you'll lose your salvation. If you give something for, in order to get attention, you're going to lose your... No, that's not what this is talking about. The word that, that is used here is misthos. Say that, misthos. It means wages or reward or pay. You'll, you'll lose your paycheck. You'll lose your, your, your payment, your wages. It's not talking about getting, not getting into heaven. It's talking about getting to heaven and saying, you know, I'm finally here. I, I'm going to go check my balance. <laughs> and you go to check your balance and they say, okay, we'll check here. And they say, well, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, your, your balance is uh, zero. Well, wait, wait, wait. I, I did amazingly many things. I did <clears throat> lots and lots of these things. I, 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 you know, I preached and I sang and I did all kinds of stuff for people. 
Well, that's just it. You, you did things to be seen and, and not for the glory of God. That's what I would not want to have happen. Amen. Amen. So the Bible actually teaches a lot about rewards in heaven. Um, I didn't realize how much. Matthew 16 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. There's a reward. 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Receive what is due. Uh, Revelation talks about it too. Uh, Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. In fact, I didn't realize it, but the Bible lists five uh, what we would have to call crowns or crown rewards. I, I didn't even realize that there were crowns. Uh, y'all, some of y'all are wearing crowns uh, this weekend. There, there's a crown over there, isn't there? <laughs> but uh, the crowns that are listed in the Bible are, one is the victor's crown. Uh, everyone who competes in the games uh, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. People who are in the games, the Olympics or whatever. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The victor's crown. There's a crown of rejoicing. Uh, for what is our hope our, or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence? You in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. There's a crown of righteousness. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy. There's a crown of life. James 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And there's a crown of glory. First Peter 5. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, there's some people in heaven that when they get to their room, they're going to sit down and there's going to be five crowns or four crowns. There's going to be several crowns. Are those literal? I don't know. Are they symbolic because of the day and age in which these were set? I don't know. Uh, They could be literal crowns. I mean, I, I like ball caps better than crowns. But it's saying there is a recognition for the good that we have done. And it's in heaven And we don't want that to be dismissed, do we? No, no. And we we might miss out on the rewards of heaven. And that's what Jesus was addressing. And he addresses several arenas of risk in in this passage. And so he, he begins by saying, when you give. Now notice, he didn't say if you give. Uh, uh, No, if you are a, a person of God, you give. Because you have been given to. I mean, there's not really anything else about it. There's a lot more about how and when and how much and things like that. But if you, are, if you have been given to and your heart is changed by God, you, you will be a godly person. And a godly person is a giving person. So he says, when you give, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Don't go blowing a trumpet. And we don't know exactly what this means. It may have referred to uh, uh, special gifts or it may have referred to tithes. 
uh, when collections were received. It may be a reference to the horn-shaped collection boxes that are described by Josephus. In the temple, they had a horn shape, and, and you would put in coins, and they would roll around in there and go down and make noise. And so it might refer to that. Um, the public fasts were sometimes announced with the sounding of trumpets. But it basically is saying, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't say, hey, look over here, you know. I've come to give my gift and blow a trumpet to to get everybody's attention. That's the image that's given here. Because this is uh, giving as the hypocrites do. Now we get to that big word, hypocrites. And just to be clear, not all trumpet players are hypocrites, please. You know, Dan is not here. And I love Dan Epstein who plays up. Don't you love Dan? I just love it. He's so good, and I love it when he, when he plays. Um, but So it's not talking about him, I promise you. But um, he uses the word hypocrites here. It's the first time that Jesus uses this word of 17 times Jesus uses the word hypocrite. And, and most of them, there's like seven of them that are in, uh, in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. But this is the first time. So when he says this, they probably kind of alerted up a little bit, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And so he's saying motive is a component. Um, When we give to be praised by others, it is a hypocritical moment. The the Greek word we've looked at before is hypocrites. Say that with me, hypocrites. And it means literally an actor who is under an assumed character. They are assuming a character. They are not that character. Uh, And so they are a stage player or a mask wearer. They would wear masks literally in uh, Greek theater. And so, I mean, you you all know that I love theater, okay? And so when I assume a character, when I am playing the role of Tevye, how many of you understand I'm not Tevye? Well, sometimes I don't understand it very well, (laughs) Or if I'm playing John Adams, I'm assuming the role of John Adams. I'm not really John Adams. And and I know that uh, method actors try to get as close as they can to being that person and things like that. But he's saying you're you're a religious actor when you have a different motive. You're trying to look like you're doing everything for the right motive and you're not. When we do the acts of righteousness with a motive to draw attention to ourselves, we're wearing a religious mask. And playing a religious role. And that's what Jesus is addressing. The attention and the praise received is the complete extent of one's reward. Now that's, wow. That's all you're going to get. And this principle would apply to any act of righteousness. He's talking about a lot of different things. I thought that was kind of a cute thing. Taking a selfie while you're giving your, your charitable gift, okay? I'm going to post that online. I mean, you could go and march for a godly cause, but if the motive is to gain one's attention, someone's attention, and be seen out there marching, uh, then you've missed it completely. Uh, You could give a gift uh, uh, to draw public attention in some way, or draw conspicuous attention to the service that you've been doing. 
Um, you can make a show of, of a public prayer or Bible knowledge. I remember years ago I was talking to a, a person and they said, I, I'm digging in on the Bible because I'm going to memorize so much scripture that I can just shoot people down with scripture verses. And, and I remember just saying, I don't, I don't think that's really the goal <laughs> that we should have. I mean, you need to memorize scripture, and it's good to be ready to defend your faith and your, the hope that is in you, but that's not really where Jesus wants you to be. And see, part of the reality of, it, of this is that the most dangerous areas of service are those that are, by nature, public. It's me. And, and it's, it's our our crowd up here. It's those who, who lead publicly. Uh, there, I hope you pray for all of us because this is an area where that we can fall into. These are things that cannot be done in private. How many of you know you can't preach a sermon in private? You know, uh, I've invited John, well, I'm not going to tell you his name. Uh, I've invited a guest preacher, but he's going to wear a sack over his head. So you won't, we can't do that. And we can't put the praise team backstage. They need to be here. In fact, I was reminded that in, in church history, they used to put the choir behind the people. Do you remember some churches built like that? So you didn't see them, but you heard them. You heard this glorious thing coming from behind you. I mean, that would be the closest thing. But we need to kind of be sensitive to this. Preachers must be aware of this temptation to draw attention to themselves rather than to God and the Word of God. It's all about God and the Word of God. Because you see, like stage actors, we preachers, I mean, I I am one of them, we can become addicted to the applause and the shouts of the crowd and all all of that acclaim and, and we can find ourselves in this age of mass media being lifted up. And that's a danger. It's a danger when we begin to believe that we're, we're just really, really good and we're God's gift to the people or something like that. We live in a peculiar age of Christian celebrities. And really, as I think, have thought about it, that phrase, Christian celebrities, is an oxymoron to me. Uh, because uh, they, that doesn't fit together. A Christian that celebrates self rather than Jesus is no longer Christian. And I, what I mean, I don't mean not saved, but I mean they're no longer following the way of Christ. But there, we have Christian celebrities. There are celebrities who happen to be Christians, uh, and, and that's very important. And there are Christians who happen to be celebrities. And some of them, they just came along and then they converted And many use their platform to express the witness for Christ. You know, this past weekend, we had a marvelous expression of different people, a number of them very famous people, you know, who wanted to express love, who wanted to express encouragement, who wanted to bring healing and hope uh, to to a young man's life. And so that's that's a good thing that... Scary thing is that at some point it can become difficult to tell the difference between the worship leader and a Christian pop star uh, or the preacher and some kind of pop star. So we want to be careful of that. You see, the fundamental question goes back to why are you doing this? And that's for the Sunday school teacher, the youth leader, the preacher, uh, the uh, musician, the missionary, the generous giver, the background servant.
in every single situation. Why am I doing this to be seen by others for the attention of others? Because motive matters and character counts. Am I doing this to be seen by others? We need to clarify our motives. The attention that we've brought. That's going to be our our total reward if that's our motive. So what is the solution? Jesus has an interesting solution. He says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. (laughs) It it seems to me that's a neurological problem. (laughs) You know, so so this is a, a figure of speech. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. That's his point. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying if you could possibly do so, it would be best to give in total secrecy. Even from yourself, that's not possible. But if that were possible, even from yourself. There are a few things uh, that are as powerful in our character and in our relationship with God as a gift or a service that is completely anonymous. I'll just say that I've heard this from people. I've never tried that myself. Because that would remove the secrecy, wouldn't it? If I shared that with you. But some gifts are always going to be apparent to the people that are around. And there will be some reward personally. You always know what you gave. How many of you know that that just feels good? And so you have... A reward just in that. Giving quietly in secret is probably you know, the easiest way that this can happen. Giving in secret is a point of great joy. I want to talk a little bit about that. And it's primarily because it is between you and God. Uh, at the beginning of Faith Fellowship Church, some of you uh, may remember that we had a large anonymous gift that really helped to jumpstart everything that you see here. We were trying to buy this land. Uh, at that time, the land uh, was, was priced at $300,000. We didn't have that many people, but it was a, it was a big deal. And uh, we received word that there was someone who wanted to give a special gift. The gift was $50,000 cash to get things started. And in addition to that, $140,000 that was given as a match, $2 for every $1 that we would give. And so if we raised $70,000, that would be matched up to uh, $210,000. And then $50,000 was on top of that. And that got us up there really very, very close uh, to being able to buy the land that we needed. We needed to raise $70,000 within a few months among a rather small group of people, but there was a, a great motivation there. What was amazing was that the gift was communicated and it was transmitted with the use of two attorneys. There was one attorney who knew the person, who then communicated with another attorney who did not know the person, who then communicated with us. So there was no way that we could track that back and find out where this money came from. And I thought it was just amazing. And part of it was what God taught me in that. Because I I said, I remember just praying and saying, God, I want to thank this person. Why can't I know who this person is? 
And this is what he told me. I didn't hear a voice in the room or anything like that. But this is what God told me in my heart is, treat everyone as that person. Okay, I'll do that. And I remember thinking when I would meet people and shake hands and greet people at the close of the service, I thought, is it you, you know, or is it maybe, is it you? And, uh, and it was really a blessing because it reminded me of the teaching in James chapter 2 that says, don't have favoritism. Don't give a special seat to the ones that gave a whole bunch. Give a bad seat to those who didn't give very much. And I don't know if you know this, but I don't know what anybody gives except us. That's the only ones. And a lot of preachers, it's not that way. I don't know what anybody gives. Unless you tell me for some reason. I've had people hand me a check. You know, just open face check. And that, that's okay. I don't, I, but I don't find out what people give for that very reason. The way I explain it is, I don't want to drive any faster to the emergency room for somebody that gives a lot of money than somebody who has never given a nickel. Because that's not what it's about. That's not what the kingdom is about. Amen? Amen. It's really important that we, that we know that. It occurred to me while I was studying this that if God calls us to give anonymously, surely he gives in this way as well. He doesn't call us to do something that he doesn't do himself. We see and we celebrate so many. How many of you just, you can go out on the beach and you go, wow, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you thought this up or, or, you know, you go to a beautiful place. But I think God probably surprises us at times. Might be a little flower at just the time that you need it. Have you ever stopped to ponder how many gifts uh, from God are essentially anonymous? You know, they say that coincidence is uh, the name for when God chooses to remain anonymous. Uh, We didn't quite see him in there. But God gives to us all the time. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to say, oh my goodness, how my eyes are open now and I can see. So anonymous giving and service, it's not always possible. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, We'd have to put hoods on our heads, like I said. Uh, It would be a little bit uncomfortable uh, to to do our our leading and our worship in that way. The truth is that most of our service and giving will be seen by others. The question is, why are you doing it? I always have to remember uh, something that Rick Warren wrote years ago uh, in Purpose Driven Life. And he said, it's not about me. Why don't we say that together? It's not about me. So profound and yet so simple. And the sooner we realize that whatever we're doing, offering, singing, preaching, or serving, it's not about me, it's about glorifying God, then we begin to discover this great joy of kingdom culture. Now, there's this difficult thing, and it's called applause. Applause is a a cultural response, it's in our culture. And it's to excellence uh, that expresses appreciation. If you're in the theater, we applaud. When we, uh, you know, when there's a, a great performance, uh, we applaud that performance. But it's also a spiritual response to blessing. There are many scriptures that talk about clapping our hands in worship. It's a response to God. It's a part of our praise. It's a part of glorifying God. And, you know, in the theater, and I've been in the theater, much of the motivation in theater to do what we do is applause. There there are actors who live for the applause. And I have to say, it's 
uncomfortable for me. It's a part of what we do in the theater. Um, But it's especially difficult in worship and church settings. I'll just have to say that when I hear a great sermon, I want to applaud. What am I applauding? I'm applauding God for what he just told me. But I'm also applauding the effort and the diligence and the study uh, that this person put in. That, that's why, I mean, last weekend when uh, John Brooker was preaching, I applauded at the conclusion of his message. He did a great job. And that's what I was doing earlier. We don't do it very often, but when I asked you to appreciate our worship team, that's why I know that you're not trying to, to puff them up in some way that will cause them to fall. But what we are doing is saying, we appreciate you. And what you do and what the hours you put in and the skills that you bring. And we, we glorify God. Let your light so shine before people that they may see and hear your good work. And your Father in heaven will be glorified. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes in a time of worship I'm led to applaud in that same way. You know, it always reminds me of the story of the donkey. Uh, that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. And I, I love this kind of view on it. Uh, he, he went into Jerusalem that day, and they were just worshiping. They were going, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were throwing down their, their garments, and they were pra- praising and shouting. And he might have gone back to the stable and said, you guys should bow down. <laughs> I am the greatest. I, I am the greatest, and you wouldn't believe it out there. They were telling me. And they were saying, save us. And so you, should, you other animals, you sheep and you goats and, and you uh, uh, cows, you should... Well, that would be so silly, wouldn't it? And I always remember as a preacher, I have to remember that I'm just the donkey. That carries, oh, so blessed, to carry Jesus into your presence... To carry the Lord Jesus and his word. I can't think of anything better in, in, in life than to carry Jesus into the presence of people and bring, uh, bring people together in that sort of a way. So, as I tell you, I have heard that it's a secret joy that we discover when we give in secret. I would commend it to you. And the secret of, of this joy is found when we give any offering um, for the right reason. For the right reason. It may be in secret, it may not. But we discover a secret reward when we do the right thing simply because it's the right thing. How wonderful that is. So how do we apply this? I want to ask you three questions. They're, they're in your notes. But the first question is, that we should, we should ask. I ask myself, why am I doing this? It's good to ask. This is a lifelong journey. Why am I doing this? Because people are going to praise you. People are going to uh, appreciate you. Uh, people are going to thank you. But why am I doing it? Is it for that? Is it that the light of Christ in me might shine before people and God will be glorified? Uh, or is it that the light of my talent and personality might be seen and glorified. We've got to pull that apart. The second question is this. How am I doing this? Because if there's a way to be anonymous, it's a great thing. If there's a way to give anonymously, it's a really, really great thing. Is there a way that I can give or that I can serve that is in secret? 
you know, do something for someone that they won't see you. It's just such a marvelous thing. And the third question is, how can my service and giving draw me closer to the heart of Jesus rather than close to the hearts of people who see? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you that you are so sensitive to how we work on the inside. That you could give us this wise word that comes across the ages and you could guide us in a way so that we might be part of your kingdom. We might be part of glorifying our Heavenly Father. Even when there are moments of applause, even when there are moments of appreciation, even when there are moments of praise, that we would always be glorifying our Heavenly Father. And we give thanks for that. Lord, teach us that message, that journey in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.